Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. Man, today I want to talk to you guys about something that I think is, I think is something that many of us don't really understand, especially if you're a follower of Jesus. I don't think we necessarily grasp the weight of this word and what it really means for us as followers of Jesus and our walk with God. Um, and we're going to talk today about grace. In fact, in this whole message series, Soul Set Free, grace is really at the root of everything that we are talking about. And last week we talked about the Apostle Paul and how he kind of became a follower of Jesus and how he had his first experience with grace. And that for him, I mean, if you didn't know this about the Apostle Paul, he was a religious fundamental terrorist. I mean, really, Paul was the equivalent of Al-Qaeda or ISIS. He was going around as a religious Jewish zealot murdering Christians and murdering people who did not believe in his faith in order to convert them and keep his faith pure. And that's like a pretty big, that's a pretty big thing to know about someone, right? That they might have been a terrorist at some point. And, uh, and Paul's experience with grace completely radically transformed and changed everything about his life. And that same grace that changed everything for him is available for us, but I don't necessarily think sometimes, maybe for myself and maybe for many of us, that we don't really grasp what grace really is, how big it is, how vast it is, what it really means for us. And really it starts with just what, what is grace to us? I mean, if you think about like, how would you define it? Think about it like how we use it in our lives. A lot of times grace is someone who is just really kind, you know, someone who, who is kind and generous, they're just, they're gracious, they have a lot of grace. Maybe someone who's just not clumsy, you know, maybe you know a dancer, and, and they move with just, with grace. People, sometimes when I'm walking in the mall, people will stop me, they'll be like, sir, sir, I just want you to know, you just have so much grace in your movement. Just in my physical movements, I'm just a person of grace. But that definition of grace, while it's, it's useful and, and while it makes sense in the context that we use it in, it's really just such a small picture of what grace really is, at least what God's grace really is and what grace really means for those of us who've made a decision to follow Jesus and what it means for those of us who the invitation is there to become a follower of Jesus and walk in a relationship with God. And so today I want to talk about what is grace and explore the meaning and the power of this word. And, and even like just, let's, I would like to explore what does the Apostle Paul have to actually say about grace? I mean, this is a guy who was a terrorist. This is a guy who murdered people. He murdered Christians to protect his religion. And then somehow he had this encounter with God, and then he was welcomed in among the family of followers of Jesus. And so for this guy who experienced this vast, huge, powerful grace, what was grace? And what is the invitation to grace that exists for us today? So to do this, I just, I'm just going to warn you, is today I... I'm probably going to make you mad, okay? And I don't want to make you mad. I like you. I think you're really good people. I don't want you to be upset. But I just have to talk about some things that just make us mad. I'm going to talk about the DMV today, okay? I'm going to talk about that experience. I'm going to talk about when people cut in line. This is the thing we're going to talk about. So some of you guys, just prepare yourselves. You're going to be frustrated. You're going to be mad. And why don't we just kick it off now? Let's bring this picture up. Let's just paint the context. Let's put you in the room at the DMV, okay? You're there. You've walked through the doors, you need to get a new license, you need to get new license plates. Some of you guys feel that weight on your chest already. Has anybody, has anybody even had a good experience at the DMV? Liars, put your hands down, I don't buy it. 
So my daughter just got her license last year, and I took her to the DMV to get her driver's license. And before I even went, I went to the website, and I went through all the things that you need to get a driver's license. And I'm, guys, I'm not a stupid person. Like, I can go to a website, and I feel like I can read it and make sense. And I am very confident that it said you need, uh, like, three or four of these things, and that is enough. And so I'm going through the list, and it's like, you know, proof of residence. You know, you need their permit, uh, a birth certificate, social security card school ID, you know, those things. And I was going to try to get all those things that I could. And so I got the birth certificate, school ID, proof of residence. And I went to the folder in our house where we keep our social security cards for us and the kids. And I started pulling them out and, and going through them. And, I, you know, mine's there, Terry's there. And I get, and I can't find Cameron's social security card anywhere. And, th and this is weird. Like, I pull them out and there's five in there still because Trinity has two social security cards in there. I don't know why. I, I don't know if, like... Terry was planning on Trinity being a drug dealer or something. It just wanted, I, I don't know. But there's two social security cards for Trinity. Uh, I don't even know why two social security cards would make you a drug dealer. It just feels like it does. And so, but Cameron's social security card is not in there. It's just not, it's not to be found. But I had all the other stuff and I was like, we can do this. So I take Cameron to the drivers or to the DMV. We get up to the counter. And you guys know this. When you walk up to the counter, you are dealing with people at their most pleasant. You're dealing with people who are probably the happiest at the point of their lives. And that's, that was our experience. I laid the stuff out, and it was just like, oh, this is a delight. And, uh, and they start going through it. And I just said, we're here to get my daughter's driver's license, take her test. And they're looking, okay, well, we have this birth certificate, ID, proof of residence. And they said, okay, well, we just we need a social security card. And I was like, well, I'm pretty sure I read the website, and it said that I only needed some of these, and I don't have her social security card. Sir, you need her social security card. Well, um, you know, is there just no way that, well, I mean, she had to have her social security card at some point because she had to have to get her permit. I mean, it's just nothing we could do. Sir, she needs a social security card. I, I hear what you're saying, but, you know, maybe, you know, may, we're here, we're, we're here, you're here. Let's just do this thing. Sir, she needs her social security card. And they, they would not budge. At the DMV, I don't know if you know this, zero tolerance. Okay? If you do not have the right stuff, zero tolerance. So I had her. We were out of school. I'm like, let's just go get your social security card. So I drove. I decided that if the DMV was a bad experience in order to cleanse my palate, probably the best thing to do would be go to another government office. And we went to the Social Security Administration. And I was, I was very grateful um, I, honestly, I was grateful when we got there and we got in the line. I, I, was, I appreciated the 30-minute wait because I needed some time just to cool down. And so the, the half-hour wait to get up to the, to the front was good for us. And we got up to the front. I had all the stuff that I needed for her driver's license. And then we went up and said, I just need a Social Security card for my daughter because she needs to get her driver's license. Oh, that, congratulations. That's great. Okay, well, I just need this, 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 and this. And I'm pulling all the stuff out because I had it. And they said, and we'll also need a state ID. And I said, okay, um... Here's the thing, I'm taking her to get a state ID. In order to get the state ID, I need the social security card, and I can't get the state ID until I have the social security card, so I can't give you the state ID in order to get a social security card. Like, sir, I totally understand, but we're going to need a state ID. I'm like, okay, I, <laughs> I don't know what to do in this situation. I don't have it. And they said, okay, well, here's what you can. You can go to her pediatrician, and you can get a a government official form filled out by her pediatrician stating that she is who she says she is. And I said, I said, okay, so her school ID, her birth certificate, her proof of residence, that, that's not enough. I, I need to go to her doctor. Yep. So I put Cameron in the car. We drove to her pediatrician. 
I got this form that they had to sign, and I took it back to the social security office. Again, I was very grateful that they didn't let me up to the front of the line. I needed that 30-minute cool down again. And uh, we finally got up, and, and we presented it, and they said, okay, wonderful. Um, good news is it'll be here in about six weeks, which, again, like, I just, you know, I just want you to know, like, I think it would be too convenient if they could just print a piece of paper on a printer at the office, so I appreciated that. Anyway, my point is this. There are places where you have to have everything perfect. There is zero tolerance at the DMV if you do not have all the right paperwork. There is zero tolerance at the Social Security Administration if you do not have the right credentials. And believe me, I did everything I could to try and credential my daughter in order to get her license and to get her Social Security card, and they would not let me through at all. We, and we know this. The TSA is like this. You are not getting on a plane if you don't have a valid ID. You can sweet talk them. You can bribe them with coffee and chocolate. You are not getting on that plane if you do not have the right credentials. And here's why. It's because, I mean, back in the day, you could get your driver's license with, like, a gas bill. Oh, this is me. Okay, here's your license. You know, that's, that, you know, they didn't have pictures on licenses, like, a long time ago. It's crazy. But at some point, Someone was stealing IDs. And at some point, someone was faking IDs. And so because of that, this system was broken, and now the system demands perfection. At the TSA, you used to be able to walk onto a plane with a wink, you know? I bought a ticket, I'm who I say I am, they just let you on a plane, and then you'd smoke cigarettes on the plane, which is also very weird. But nowadays, because of terrorism, terrorism broke the system, and now the system demands perfection. And here's the thing. God created a perfect world. He created this perfect system for us to live in, to exist in, to have a perfect relationship with him. And then sin entered into this perfect world, and it, and it broke it. And what was interesting is in this perfect world, God was perfect, his world was perfect, mankind was perfect, and so God could relate to us because he created us in perfection. We were perfect. There was nothing that could kind of separate us but then sin broke all that. And now there's this perfect God who created a perfect world to have perfect relationship with a perfect people. But now because of our sin, because of this thing that has kind of come into our lives, and, and not even just like sin, I'm not even just talking about things that we do, although that's part of it. It's really more than that. It's, it's just, it's even a state of being for us, this, this, this kind of separation from God. And now because of it, a perfect God has to separate and distance himself from us because a perfect God cannot tolerate the imperfection of sin in his presence. And it's not even just like a God, you know, I'm mad at you. I'm not, you ain't coming to my party. It's not that type of thing with God. It's, it's, like, it's like almost an allergy, you know. It's, it's something that he just literally, in his perfection, he cannot tolerate. That he, He's allergic to sin, it just can't be in his presence because, you know, the antimatter and matter, the negative and positive, the perfection of God and the brokenness of sin can't exist in the same space. And so because of that, now God is on one side of this DMV counter and we're on the other side of the counter. And I don't know if you've felt this experience, but there have been times in my life where I've felt like I just want to get over there and connect with God. I want to connect with this, this, this 
creator. I want to connect with, if there's a God who loves me and there's a God who made me, I want to connect with him. And yet here I am over here and it doesn't matter what I seem to do. I just can't seem to create the right credentials. I can't seem to kind of produce the right things for God to say, you're good, come on over. Because in God's perfection, there's just zero tolerance for my lack of the things that I need to have in order to have a relationship with him. And so there's this, there's this, I mean, today I really just have good news and bad news for you. I mean, I already tried to make you mad, but like I got good news and bad news for you. And I started the bad news, and the bad news is this. The bad news is that every single one of us is separated from God. All of us. And this is, what, this is what the Apostle Paul says. And this is so important that we're looking at what the Apostle Paul writes because he was a person who experienced God's grace firsthand. And also this, as a religious kind of fundamentalist, the Apostle Paul was a guy who was all about doing all the right things. As a, as a guy who hated Christianity because he lived in the, this Jewish law that he wanted to get right, he was all about you know, dotting all the I's and crossing all the T's of living a perfect religious life. So this is a guy who not only experienced God's grace, this is a guy who knows what it was like to try and live perfectly. A guy who knows what it was like to try and have all the right credentials to earn God's grace and to get into God's presence. And this is what the Apostle Paul says. This is the bad news, really, in Romans chapter 3. And mo everything we're going to read today is out of the book of Romans, which is a letter he wrote to a Roman church, a church in, in Rome, to just teach them about what does it mean to follow Jesus and what is the faith. And this is what he says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. He says, everyone has sinned, and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Everyone has sinned. We're all short of the standard of expectation that God has, not because of, not because of something that he necessarily wants, but just because of who he, who he is. He's saying this, he's saying like, we're all short of the credentials we need to cross over that counter. None of us have what we need to get the right ID to stand in God's presence. None of us have the right credentials to cross TSA and to get on that flight that we want to get onto. None of us do. And what's crazy is that, like, isn't it interesting how, like, we all kind of try to live our lives to, trying to credential ourselves? But, I mean, God, I'm a good person. I mean, God, I go to church. God, I give to the Red Cross. You know, God, I, I'm all about, like, trying to be good and help other people. You know, and at a minimum, God, I just try to live my life not hurting other people. It's like, God, well, I got this credential, and God, I got, I got this ID, and I, I, you know, I've got this. Here, here's the Compassion International kid that I support on a monthly basis. And, and God, here, here's my launch campaign pledge to support the ministry of, of Compass. And, God, I, I, here's my credentials. And Paul's like... He says, I know, I tried all that. He's like, dude, I, I did all those things. I tried to have all the credentials. And you know what I found out? That I didn't have the right ones. That I still fell short of this, this standard that God has. I fell short of his perfection because I'm, I'm a sinner. And God's standard is this, is that nobody have sin. That's God's standard. And that's heavy. I mean, that's like, I mean, isn't that the... Isn't grace like, you know, it's cool, we're good. I mean, you guys have had people screw up in your lives, right? You've had people make little small screw-ups, and when they do, you're like, you know, it's all good. You know, I know like, we, we'll have people sometimes who are scheduled for something at Compass, and, you know, they'll come in late or they'll miss, miss like, their schedule for kids. And, you know, when that happens, like, it's good. It's okay. Don't worry about it. It's, it's all right. And then we have people in our lives who screwed up in bigger ways, and, you know, and, and what do we say? You know what? It's fine. 
And the difference is this. In this situation, it's like, it's all good. We're good. We're going to stay in relationship. And in this situation, it's like, you know what? It's all good, but we're not good. And I'm probably not going to ever talk to you again. I'm just going to cut you out of my life. But like, it's done and I'm just cutting you out. And But I can still extend you a little bit of grace and call it good and you can walk away. But, and it's kind of heavy to think that like God has this standard where it's like, no, we're not good. And there's nothing that you can do to make us good. In fact, left to your own devices, left to your own power, left to your own strength, we will never be good. Oh, wow, I mean, <laughs> geez, God, I mean, I'm, I'm doing my best here. Zero tolerance. God, I know, like, I don't know if God would appreciate me saying this, but, like, God is like the DMV in some ways, okay? I mean, it just is, it just is. No lightning, Lord. <laughs> The bad news is this, is that the only credentials that can make us good with God are perfect credentials, and nobody has those. Nobody. Okay, so I, I said there's good news and bad news, okay? And, like, the Apostle Paul would want us to know this. Like, he lived the bad news, but he also lived the good news. So what is the good news? What is the good news for us? And this is how Paul writes it. At the very beginning of his letter to the Roman church, he lays out what I think is this key idea. And, and, and not only in, in the gospel and in following Jesus, but I think he lays out this key fundamental idea that was transformative in his life change. An idea that for him was the thing that changed everything for him. And here's the thing. This is what Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. He says, For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. So he, right out of the gate, there is good news. And I'm not ashamed of it. And this is what it is. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. Now, I want you to understand this. Paul says it. The thing, the power of God in our lives, the thing that has the power of God at work in your life and in my life, it's not like some big supernatural, mystical, like, you know, device. It's not, you know, some magical prayer. It's not, it's, it's a story. It's, it's a message. It's, it's a good news. And, and this is what Paul says. He says, it, that this good news is not only the power of God at work in your life, but this good news is the thing that saves people. Like, what is the thing that sets us free and saves us and, and restores our relationship with God? It's this. It's this good news. And he says, this good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Okay, now this is, this is so cool, okay? Like, Paul kind of lays out, he says, there's this good news and it does all this awesome stuff, but I love how he doesn't even say what it is, right? He's like, you guys got to read this book. It's so awesome. I love it. It's amazing. Well, what is that book about? Don't worry about it, but it's just, it's awesome. It's great. But, but you go, in Romans chapter 3, he goes into some detail about what is this good news. What is this good news that is the power of God at work saving you and moving in our lives? What is it? And in Romans chapter 3, this is the, Paul has just said, we're all sinners, we all fall short of God's standard. See ya. You know, he just like drops the ball on the bad news. But then he follows the bad news immediately with the good news of God's grace. And he says this in Romans 3, 24. He says, we've all sinned, we've all fallen, fallen short of God's standard. Yet God, in his grace, now take note of that. Because of God's grace. In his grace, he freely makes us right in his sight and he did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. So, okay, so I'm going to stop here for a second. 
Like when we think about how are we made right with God, how does it happen? Like as a follower, if you're a follower of Jesus, you know the, 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 the root of this is that, you know, Jesus died for our sins and, and now we can come into God's presence. Maybe you're not a follower of Jesus, you're not a Bible person, but like, I mean, even, even you've kind of heard this like, this Jesus stuff, you know, it was on like an episode of Family Guy or something. You know, you've kind of heard this like, this kind of talk that like Jesus did something and now I can be made, made right with God. But if we're being totally honest, at the, at, deep down in our hearts, if we're being totally honest, even if we believe that, we still think that we have to do something. We still think that like, you know, Jesus died on the cross and maybe I'm forgiven, maybe I'm forgiven for that, but now I need to do better. And if I do better, then I can be accepted to God. And if I, if I do bad, then it's like, crap, I screwed up and I'm not going to be good anymore. Or, you know, maybe Jesus did this thing, but I, you know, now I've got all these new religious rules that I need to follow and they're Jesus rules and they're just different than the other rules that I followed. And if I just do these religious rules, if I do that, I'm going to be fine. Even if you're not a follower of Jesus, we all have these kind of do's and it's like, like in our modern culture today, it's just, I just need to do being a loving person. I just need to do not hurting other people and just, you know, encouraging others. And if I just do that, if I just do being a good person, then everything's going to be fine. And Paul says this. This is incredible. Look at what he says. He says, God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. And he did this through Christ Jesus. Okay, get this. Because of God's grace, our relationship with God our ability to know him, to be close to him, to be right with him, has nothing to do with what we D-O do. Okay? Get that. Your relationship with God, your ability to be loved and accepted by your heavenly father, by your creator, by a God who made you and loves you, who looked you in the eye and said, you are a sinner and you are separated from me and you didn't meet my standard. That same God is looking at you now and he's saying, it doesn't matter what you do. Because I've already done it. You see, God did the work. And this is what's so cool. You'll never earn God's love. You'll never earn his acceptance. You'll never deserve it. None of us ever will. Why? Because we're all sinners. We all fall short of God's standard. It's, it's, it's our life condition. It's unchangeable. We will always never meet God's standard on our own. So it doesn't matter what we do, and this is what's so cool about grace. God looked down on us, seeing, a, seeing us across that counter, and he said, you know what? They can't do anything over here. And God said, I'm going to do something now. It's not about what you can do now. It's about what God has done. And this is the greatest thing. It was his idea. He worked it up. It was his plan. He decided he was going to make this thing happen. And you know what's amazing about grace is that because it's not dependent on anything that we could do to earn it, this is the coolest part about it. If you couldn't do anything to get it, you can't do anything to lose it. If you didn't do anything to get it, you can't do anything to lose it. It was his work. It was his gift. When he gave his son Jesus to die for your sins and raised him to life so that you could walk in this new life, he did that. You can't erase it. You can't take it away. And when you receive and accept that grace, you can't do anything to lose it. You don't need, we don't need to provide the right credentials anymore. 
you get that? You don't have to struggle and strive to make up for your past. You don't have to struggle to prove that you're a good person. You don't have to live this like perfect religious life. I mean, forget all of that junk. You don't have to provide the right credentials anymore. You know why? Because God provided those credentials for you. Could you imagine if I went to the DMV and I was like, shoot, we don't have a social security card. We can't get all this stuff. And they're like, I'm sorry, you can't get a license to that. I'm like, well, is there anything you could do? And they're like, well, yeah, you know what? Here's my social security card. Let me cross out my name. Let me write hers on there. And then I'll take that. Could you imagine? That's what God did. God said, you don't have a social security card that'll work and you never will. Well, tell you what, here's Jesus's. And I know it's good and I'll accept it. And I'll always accept it now. And now that you have this identification, now that you are identified as my child, as you're identified as part of my family, that ID is good forever. And you know what? You might lose it in the washing machine. You might drop it somewhere and lose your wallet. That's good. I got more for you. That ID is always good forever. It's never going away. It never expires because my grace has got you covered. Man, God's good news is for us forever. And what's so cool about God's grace, because we don't have to earn it, it can almost seem like, I don't know, it can seem like this like crazy random thing, that just good thing that happens to us that doesn't make sense. Like, okay, Terry and I went on vacation to Florida a couple months ago, and we were at this vacation resort town on the beach, and there was a Walmart that was right on the beach. And I got a picture of this. Again, I want you to bring you into this experience with me. Okay, the beach Walmart was full of tourists. Like, every time you walked into it, it was like shoulder to shoulder, people with full carts, walking slow, you know, looking around like tourists, and ah! It was just crazy. Like, I don't like being in in environments that are cram-packed with people. It was just, ah. The worst part was this, is that every register had a line of people. There was like 50 people. Every single one of those people had a cart that was full to the top and stuffed with, like, bottled waters on the bottom. It was insane. And so we walked in this Walmart, and as soon as we walk in the doors, I look at Terry, and I'm like, we need to buy everything that we need for the rest of our vacation because I'm never setting foot in this place again. So help me God as long as I live. Amen. I literally said, I said amen. (laughs) I was like, I'm like affirming, this is as serious as my wedding vow right now, you know, before God. And so we filled our cart up with stuff. And I'm just like, I'm grumbling and like, ah, razzle, frazzle, frazzle. Like, you know, like when cartoon characters would cuss, like on Scooby-Doo, like razzle, frazzle, bazzle. That was, I was like doing that on my breath. And I was just like, oh, I just could, I was like, I know we're going to have to get in this line and it's going to be miserable. And I'm pushing this cart around and I was just so frustrated. And we got our full cart of groceries and we were pushing it up front. And we're not totally there yet, but I can see just lines of people razzle frazzle and and we get around the corner and I'm just getting up to where the registers are and I'm looking for the line that's just like in my gut feels the shortest and as I do I look down at the closed register and uh, a Walmart employee is going to her register and she kind of does that thing where she lifts her head and we make eye contact and I kind of I kind of tilt my head back like hey and she looks and it's like slow motion I see her hand go up and she flicks her light on at her register And then she looks at Terry and me, and she's like, I can help you guys right here. And I had this moment, okay, this moment where I'm seeing her, and it's just like, it's like the Garden of Eden. And then I look over here, and I see, like, Dante's Inferno of people standing in line. And there's, like, these two sets of eye contact that I'm making, one with the person at the register who's, like, really thrilled and wants to help us. And she's just, like, you know, like an angel calling us into the clouds. And then over here, I see hundreds and hundreds of people glaring at us as they see that light go on. And 
Some of them are like in racing position, ready to go. And I see them looking at me like, like, oh, oh I, I've been waiting. I've been waiting. You gonna let me in? And you know what I did? I walked right up to that register. <laughs> and I started putting all my stuff down. And man, she checked us out and we got, got out of there. And listen, I, I'll admit, I didn't hesitate at all. Terry felt very guilty uh, that we took that spot. I didn't care. I was getting in that line. I was getting out of there. And that, dude, that was like, that was grace. That was great because I didn't, I didn't earn that spot. I didn't wait. I didn't follow the rules like all those, all those other people followed the rules. I just walked around the corner and then just a door opened up for me. It was, it was grace. That's what grace is. And you know what? Here's what's so, you want to know how, how big grace is? This is how big and awesome grace is. And this is how like our understanding of grace maybe I think is too small because grace functions this way. There's those of you who you're like identifying with me. You're like, man, that's amazing. God's grace is awesome. And then there's those of you who are in this room and you're identifying with the people who are in line. And you're like, Chris, you're a jerk. And you're like, you're kind of mad right? Because like well, all those people still, they followed the rules. They did what they were supposed to do. They waited and they're still waiting and you're out of the store in your car and they're still in line. And that, and you, like that's kind of crap. I, I'm mad about that. And can I tell you, like when we fully grasp, check, there we go. When we grasp and fully understand how big and how unfair God's grace is, like when you really think about it, it'll make you mad. It'll make you mad because, because that person doesn't deserve it. And a lot of times our threshold for grace is this. Like our threshold for grace is like, this is as bad as I am, and it's just maybe a little bit worse. So like, I'll, I'm good with God extending grace to someone who's a little bit worse than me, and I think that's because I could understand how that person might be a little bit worse, because at the end of the day, I wish I could have been that little bit worse. I was just too scared to, and I want that God to extend me that grace. But like, someone who's like way over here, it's like, you, God can extend his grace all the way to here, but for them, uh-uh. And it's not only about, like, God extending his grace to people who aren't even in his, like, sphere. Like, it makes us mad when God extends his grace to people who have accepted it and then don't change. You see, God's grace is not just extended to us when we're far from him. God's grace is a binding gift that is never rescinded and never taken away. And that means this. That means that the moment I accept God's grace that I could screw up a million, bajillion, gajillion times after that and his grace is still good for me. You know what that means? That means this, that I could willfully make the choice to screw up over and over and over again. And God's grace is still for me. And that, for those of us who are rule followers, doesn't that make you a little bit mad? Like as a rule follower, as someone who tries to get it right, isn't that just kind of junk? Like, I'm trying to do it right. I'm trying to get it right. But you want to know how big God's grace is? This is how big God's grace is. And then I'm going I'm to kind of wrap up with this kind of passage. But Paul in Romans chapter 1, the passage we read just a second ago, he starts it off by saying this. He's saying, I'm not ashamed of this good news about Jesus. I'm not ashamed of this good news about Christ. And I always wonder, why, why, would, 
what's he talking about? Why would Paul be ashamed of that? And I run it through our modern context, right? Why would we be ashamed? And I think for us, it's like, well, I'm embarrassed to talk about Jesus. I don't want people to think I'm judgy, or I don't want people to associate me with that church or that person. And I, you know, and so because of that, I'm just kind of ashamed to talk about Jesus at school or at work. And there was no con. That, 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 there's no context for that in the first century church. The idea that people would be ashamed of just talking about Jesus because they're embarrassed didn't exist. Because people in the first century, they're being arrested as followers of Jesus. They're being tortured and killed because they confessed that they were followers of Jesus, because they admitted that faith. So this idea that they'd be embarrassed or ashamed because they just didn't want people to know because it's my private faith, that, that's not the thing. Do you want to know about why Paul says that he's not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. He said it because there were people who had misconceptions about what the gospel was. And they were criticizing Paul for teaching this gospel because they said, this, there's no way this gospel can be right. And do you want to know what people thought Paul was teaching? This thing that Paul said, I'm not ashamed if people think that's what it is. That's not what it is, but even if it is, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, even if it's close. This is what it was. Check this out in Romans chapter 3. Paul says this. He says, some people even slander us by claiming that we say, the more we sin, the better it is. You see, the, the, the grace of God gospel that Paul taught was so big and so vast and so wide and for so many people and didn't depend on anything that people did that religious people on the outside, when they heard Paul preach this real gospel, this real grace, this real good news, that the only thing religious people could think was that Paul was saying, it's okay to sin. They thought, you know, he's talking about this grace that's saying like it doesn't matter what anybody does, and that once people become followers of Jesus, that they're covered forever, and even if they keep sinning, that they're still covered. That, that all they could conclude was that Paul's saying, keep sinning, it's okay, sin is good. And Paul goes on to say later, he's like, that's, that's not what I'm saying at all, but he's saying this, but even if, even if that's what you think, I'm not ashamed of preaching a grace that you might confuse is saying it's okay to sin. I'm not ashamed of that because God's grace is that big. God's grace is so not dependent on what you do. God's grace is dependent on what he has done. And I'm not ashamed for people to think that's what it is. Because I'd rather people understand that God's arms are open and accepting to us and so big and vast than for them to ever possibly think that it's dependent on what they had to do. Because God's grace is not dependent in any way, shape, or form on you doing it, on you earning it, or on you deserving it. It's a work that he has already done. So how does it work? What's our part? Paul says this, the good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is how it happens. It's accomplished from start to finish by faith. And as the scriptures say, it's through faith that a righteous person has life. And I love how he says that a righteous person right there, right? Because he's saying this, just as I wrap up, and Cameron, you can come on up. He says, through faith, a righteous person has life. He could have just said, it's through faith that anybody has life. But he wants people to understand that like good people, righteous people, religious people, people who follow the rules, all of the best people, you want to know why they have life? Faith. 
Not because of what they did, not because they're righteous, not because they follow the rules, not because they're holy or because they go to church all of those times, not because they never made any bad choices. All of those things are, are great and fine, but they don't have life because they did anything. They have life because of faith, because they said yes to Jesus. So you know what? I guess there is one thing that we can do to qualify for God's grace, and that's this. Make a choice to say yes to Jesus. And the moment we do that, God's grace, as big and as vast as it is, is available to us. Let me close with this, this kind of thought. We sing this song, you know, grace is like a wave crashing over us. If you've ever been to the ocean, you know, it's this massive, vast, incredible thing, and it's just, it's just this big, flat thing that goes on for as far as you can see. What's cool, though, is that when you step into the ocean, like, it just starts at your just feet, right? Like, you could sometimes walk out 100 yards, and it barely covers your ankles because there's parts of the ocean where just the, the surface of the ground and the sand is just under the water. But then you take two steps to the left, and you might drop three or four feet because there's a deeper pit. And there's these sandbars in the ocean that maybe are way far out there where you could stand, and it looks like you're just standing on water in the middle of the ocean because the, the ground is under there. It's just right at the top. And then there's these trenches in the ocean that are hundreds and thousands of feet deep. But when you look at the surface of the ocean, the surface of the ocean is all the same. Because what the ocean does is it fills in all of those, all of those surfaces equally. It fills in the top of a sandbar that may be just two inches below the water in exactly the same way that it fill, fills in a trench that's, that's miles deep to the bottom of the ocean. In exactly the same way, God's grace sweeps in over each of us. And you may have lived a life where you are just under the surface of God's righteousness. And you've lived well, and you li you've lived a blessed life. And God's grace just skims the surface of your life, and it's wonderful. And you may be a person whose life is a deep, dark trench. And you've lived hard, and you've lived bad, and you know it. God's grace is a wave, it's an ocean, and it fills all of it. That's how big, how wild, how primal, how accessible God's grace is to each and every single one of us, and God's grace is for you. God's grace, the good news is that God's grace is for everyone. God's grace is for you. God's grace is for the worst person that you know. And if that makes you a little bit mad, then you might you might just be beginning to understand how big God's grace really is. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com.